Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. I just wanted to start by saying thank you. I'm really glad that these chairs are not empty. <laughs> it's like I just celebrated my 40th birthday and I was scared nobody would show up to that and then I was scared nobody would show up to this. And then people showed up so I'm just very, very glad. Um, I'm really, really excited. Of the people that are here, who has listened to my podcast? That's more. Actually, I'm a little disappointed because I was like, I can get a couple more listeners if nobody's listened. But no, I'm so appreciative that anybody is listening at all. Thank you so much. Um, I just one day thought, wouldn't it be fun to do a live version of the podcast so that I can talk to some awesome local designers? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the creative process. So it's a little different than anything I've talked about on my podcast before. So it's very, very exciting, obviously. Um, you guys obviously know if you've listened to my podcast who I am, but the podcast was really born for those of you who have not listened because I started my business three years ago. I'm totally self-taught. I come from marketing and I thought, well, first of all, I was listening to other podcasts. There's so many out there. They're all amazing. But I would listen to the podcast and I would think, well, I, oh, I wish they had asked this, or I wish they'd have asked this. And then I would send Kimberly Selden on her Facebook group, like, oh, here's a podcast topic idea. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, why don't I just have my own podcast? Because then I could just use it as an excuse to get people to talk to me. Very effective, by the way. Um, and so far, I've talked to over 50 designers, and it's been amazing. Tomorrow is actually my 50th podcast that's going live, which this was just like a happy accident. That was unplanned, but it's a really fun way to celebrate. And it's with Kimberly Selden. So we're BFFs now and it's awesome, obviously. Um, so basically we're gonna talk about the creative process. We're gonna have these lovely designers who I'm gonna introduce you all to very shortly. And then we're gonna follow it up with Q&A. Hopefully you guys, if you have any questions, kind of squirrel them away, write them down, um, ask anything. It doesn't have to be about the, whatever you want, ask anything. But before we get to that, I want to say a huge thank you to PI Creative Art, particularly Nora, Michael, and Christelle for literally just doing it all. I just, I just showed up here today. They're amazing and incredible. They were not a tough sell at all. I want to say thank you to Jody also here who was the one who suggested this as a venue. Um, I was trying to figure out where she suggested. I was like, amazing. Um, and if anybody has any questions, if you're new to the showroom, please go talk to, she's wearing the beautiful blue dress. Go talk to Nora, she's your girl. She's gonna talk, tell you all about the new wall coverings that they have. They have some amazing designs. You can also do custom stuff, it's really cool. Talk to her, enjoy some beverages and food. Well, let's do this, right? Let's move on. Okay, all right. So who do we have here today? We've got some lovely, beautiful ladies who, one I just met today for the first time. Her name is Renee. Come on over, Renee. So Renee Gammon is from Two Birds, and she's been in business for two years. I'm also gonna sit down because 
I don't know. That was a lie. Two birds, two years. It's very confusing. Right, yeah, no, lying. Just, I was checking that you guys were paying attention. Thank you for that. Um, six years with her partner, Andy, who is like somewhere around here. There she is. Um, so they have two contract employees. This is just for context. Context is good. Sitting right here. They're like a lovely family, these guys. So you guys do work with additions, renovations, and decor. So thank you for being here. Okay, our next lovely, lovely panelist. Panelist. That's stupid. Okay. Anyways, Carly uh, Neem T. Uh, no, yeah. Anyways, Carly, come over here because I'm struggling. <laughs> oh, Dentine, Nemteen. Yeah. Uh, from Carriage Lane. She's, she's been in business eight glorious years with her buddy Rocco, yeah. right? Who is not here today, not, right? He's not here today. So, yet. so sorry. Oh, is he coming? I was Maybe. like, I thought, I thought there was going to, yeah, anyways, we'll talk he's about that later. like eating a ham or something. <laughs> Good work. Good work, Rocco. Um, so they have five office staff and five to six field staff. So they're obviously killing it and stressed all the time. They do design bills and furnishing additions and renovations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and then last but not least, Rebecca Hay from Rebecca Hay Design. Who is, you know, you guys probably know because you've listened to all of my episodes, has already been on my podcast, and she rocked the schnizzy out of it. Um, so she's been in business six years, has four employees. You know what, all these lovely ladies do renovations, decorating, and additions, and new build from time to time. All right, guys, so we're gonna get things rolling. But I thought before we just like get into the creative processes, which is what we're going to talk about today, I thought that we should just like ease ourselves in a little bit with just some quick rapid fire. So I'm going to gear these to specific people. I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to answer as fast as you can. It's no, no big pressure. deal. It's no big deal, I promise. <laughs> um, okay, so Renee, favorite designer? Oh my goodness, Andy's real bad. <laughs> All right, so we're doing rapid fire, rapid fire. Carly, least favorite thing to source? Oh, furniture. Those clients, my way. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay. Rebecca, uh, trend that you hate? Terrazzo. Oh. No! Yes! Yes! Agree. I agree. No, I'm, I, yeah. Me and you. Um, okay, well, let's go, Renee. Trend that you love. Oh my goodness, uh, black. Anything black. Anything black. Black frames, black tiles, anything black. All right, yeah. I like it. I like it. It's classic. Um, Carly, least favorite thing about business. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be so negative with you. No, it's okay. <laughs> thing about business? Clients. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite answer that's ever happened to me in my life because it's so everybody wants to just say yes, but nobody wants to say it out loud, so it's so good. All right, Rebecca, hey. Okay. Something that you wish clients would stop asking for. That's hard. Um, Look, I asked the tough questions that we need to know. Um, um, I don't know, to do it cheaper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Oh my God. Um, okay, last one. Wait, no, we all did two already. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Okay, we're feeling loosey-goosey. These girls are still drinking. You're the only sober one here. So, okay guys, 
Let's get into it. We're talking about the creative process. And actually, it's funny because this is actually not a topic, like I said, I've ever had on my podcast. But this is, this is a good one because sometimes I just find it very overwhelming having had no experience in a firm. Like, what do people do? So I'm, whoever wants to start, I'm going to get every one of you to answer all these questions. But um, what does your process typically look like? What is just, you know, how do you get to know your client? through to what are the touch points before that final presentation where you're really trying to sell them through on your vision? That's a really big question. I'll, I'll tap it. I'll tap it. Yeah, you will. I'll tap it. Um, okay, so for us, we go through a process where we vet our clients, first and foremost, to see whether they have the budget that works within our guideline and whether they have a project that's un you know, under the realm of our, of what we do. Um, and then we have a process, so we've taken Kimberly Selden's 15 steps and played around with it to make it a little more cultivated to what we need. And we have a process, so that way when we go to our first initial meeting, um, we have, you know, we're armed with a presentation of what the process is like, and we have about six steps. So that way we're able to take the client through the initial like inspiration phase and plans and we don't complete move on to the next phase until that's completed. Then we move on to the next phase, which is um, selections and costs and elevations. Then we move on to the next phase, which is rendering. Then we move on to the next phase of curation. And then we move on to the next phase of ordering. Okay, so yeah. what does curation mean? So like, you know, selecting the furniture, the window coverings, the final products that go into that space so oh. that now we can put it all into, you know, kind of like how Kimberly Selden has her 15 steps and that we were able to be productive, focus on what needs to get done on that particular category and move on to the next. We're not backtracking. If we are backtracking, we're charging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're, we've been able, like we have taken years to get to this point and just finding things and like tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it. But right now it works very well for us. But having phases so that clients cannot move to the end before going through each direct phase. Yeah, that's very similar to how yeah. we operate as well. And we are going through those phases, um, just an overview of them in the initial phone call with the client where we are vetting them and yeah. getting a sense of, again, are they our ideal client and do they work within our kind of our model? And then by the time we have a, the consultation, they have a, a pretty good idea of how we work. And also we do focus on completing the, the phase as well for just the, the deliverables and just also because of billing. So when the clients get billed, they know exactly what they're being um, billed for and everything it ties into the next phase as well. You can't really move ahead with the next phase without all the information from the previous one. So yeah, I'd say we're really similar to that. I'd say I'll just add that we're very similar to that. We recently, in the past year, adopted Kimberly Selden's 15 steps, but like to AT, we follow every single 15 step. It has transformed my business. It's night and day. Before I did that though, my creative process was chaotic. It was super stressful. There was unexpected billing and it was just like the wild west. And so <laughs> now the process is much more streamlined. Like yeah. you say, we have a discovery call. Honestly, the call is everything. I went through a moment a few months ago where I thought, I wanna get rid of this discovery call. It's taking so much of my time. I have more important things to do. And 
And then I didn't do one with a client and I went to the consultation and they had a completely unrealistic expectation of what they were gonna A, get in the consultation, mm. even though I send them a document, and B, they expected my design fee to be a whole lot less than it was. So now I prepare them even before the consultation, I send them a PDF with our fee structure because I do charge flat fee, I don't do hourly. Um, before I felt like I was drowning in hourly billings and like spending so much time discounting my hours and looking and saying, oh, I can't charge that to the client. So having that streamlined process along the lines of these ladies has helped the creative process really flourish. So, okay, a lot, all three of you talked a lot about that initial call and how to kind of weed people out. So what, what is your criteria and what is it that you tell clients? So for example, you were saying you might kind of, you, unrealistic budget expectations or what it might cost. What might you tell a client on the call in order to identify whether or not A, they can afford you, B, their ideal? What, what is your ideal client and how do you identify that on that call? I mean, as it's, best you can? it's still kind of a work in progress because as my company changes and grows, the type of projects we do change, but I continually am trying to strive for bigger and better projects, but I always ask them what their budget is, what they had in mind, and then I tell them point blank on the phone before I even get there if I think that's realistic based on the scope they've told me. And what I'll say is I'll say, and I might make this up, but I'll say, oh, we recently just completed you know, a main floor rental of a very similar scope and the design fee was this, and the overall budget came to about this, let's say 200,000. So that's more or less you know, my recent experience. It's not necessarily true, I didn't just finish a project, but I know my number's enough yeah. to say, okay, this is what it's probably gonna cost you, and then on the call they might say, oh, well, actually, yeah, no, I, okay, I might, we might have a little bit of wiggle room, and that's when I know, okay, this could work, and then we also talk about design aesthetic, because that's really important as well. Before we move on to the, how, how do you have that conversation? Do you get them to show you a Pinterest board or do you just have them articulate it verbally? Verbally on the call and then in the consultation. I don't do Pinterest boards in the consultation. I feel like I spend a lot of time just listening to them, talking to them. I do ask if they have any pictures, they can show them to me. Some people have Pinterest boards and I don't usually look at them in the consultation because that can take up so much time. Yeah. So I, if they decide to hire me on, then they send them or they share them with me. We really just talk broad strokes in the consultation. It's about finding out if it's the right fit. I don't know and, about you guys. Yeah, what do you guys do on that initial call to kind of, like you were saying first that you weed people out. So what's your strategy for that? So we find that based on amount of square footage, we know that a typical main floor renovation is going to cost minimum of 150000 based on past projects mm -hmm. from Rebecca. So I can tell them off the bat, based on the square footage, you're going to be in this realm or you're going to be hired just because like we just finished a project. We do our estimating in-house, so we're able to understand much better like what client scopes are. Um, and when they want to do additions, you know, we try to be as blatant as possible when we have the initial phone call so that it's no I'm sorry because it's so hard once you met them to say no now mm -hmm. I find that we find yeah. very hard like mm -hmm. I had a meeting on Thursday and it was a terrible meeting <laughs> <laughs> I just like ran <laughs> and like I have to now tell this client or this potential client like I don't want your project yeah. but they've already paid me for the consultation oh, and I don't know how to even deal with that 
So like that's something that I'm dealing with right so, now. So yeah, this is good because she's been in business eight years and it's still a struggle. So yeah. that's very nice to hear. And yeah. also like, I don't know, that's what I need to hear. Well, so thank you. We've had situations where, you know, we tell the client like they're not really our ideal clients. We don't think that our budgets and your expectations are in line and they put a bad review on our on our website. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Because their ego has now been bruised. So yeah. now they want to retaliate. Yeah. So, or when we've increased the price to say, you know, we're not in the same price range because we know that you're not our client, but we've done the due diligence and we want to carry through and we've increased the price slightly just to try to like eliminate them nicely. Like we've tried many things, obviously. <laughs> and they've also like put a bad review on the like. So it's just finding and like recognizing that it's the person, it's not the situation and it's what they're dealing with at that time and like their insecurities and their issues and it's not a reflection of you because you know that this is not your ideal client. It's just hard to now figure out the best way. So instead of severing ties with them, how do you either introduce another designer <laughs> to the mix. <laughs> don't the send them to don't me. Don't send us your sloppy seconds. <laughs> I know, and it's like, okay, like, what do I do? No, but you can't oh, send those furnishings an to me. I have an answer. Timelines. 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 Yeah, another or we thing say, we like, we say, yeah, oh, sorry, not until 2020. That happened to us, <laughs> but then they said, oh, it's okay, we're not in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you kind of get stuck, but yeah. that's another thing on the initial consultation is their timeline realistic. When it comes to you know a renovation where we're dealing with the city and the backlog and the permit department and all of that, like a lot of the time people say, oh yeah, I want to get started by, I don't know, at this point, October. And we say, well, no, yeah. we don't, that is not sufficient time for us to plan this project thoroughly for you. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that is key on the initial call for us. But it's like the right budget, just like, you just do not like that. <laughs> That's the worst. I literally like, like when it's so when funny. Is yeah, over? it's hilarious because like, what I find tough, and I'm sure people can attest to this, is like there's a lot of things that need to align for a project to be a good fit. Like, yeah. okay, you need to have realistic timeline by um, expectations, realistic budget expectations. I want your style to align with mine, and I need to like you. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's relationship like, though. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. becoming much more difficult since I've decided to have some standards. Um, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a little bit like for the newbies in the group, like, you know, three years in business, some of you out here are a little bit newer. I would like to like everything we just talked about is amazing, but like what happened think back to your first and second year and the types of clients you were getting where you can't be as particular. Were you getting early on okay, question one, were you getting early on more often people with very unrealistic budgets? Yes, yes. Okay. Guaranteed. Yeah, and you didn't know how to Good. sort it through them. But I didn't even yeah. know that their budget was yeah. No, I know. Until you were already Because I didn't have enough yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Now I know yeah. and I'm still getting them. Okay, so what was that transition like when you were like, okay, I did those projects and I wildly undercharged for them. And then there's this period of time, if you can remember this, this is just like, you know, I'm asking for a friend <laughs> where I'm like, now I know what it takes, but I still am getting those people who have very unrealistic budget timelines, whatever. How do you, do you remember that specifically and how you transitioned through that? And did you just come up with strategic ways to make those work? Like, how do you get through that little period of like knowing better now, but unfortunately you're still getting the not so ideal clients coming through? I think for us, like the referrals changed. So once you start 
started with certain projects, they would refer them to, you know, refer us to friends and colleagues. And from there, it was almost like an organic growth. And we've been really lucky. We haven't um, marketed too much, really. Um, it's been referral-based and with contractors. So I think the mm. transition, yeah, was, um, was organic. But we still, we've just gotten to the point, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year ago, <laughs> when we've started saying, no to certain projects where earlier on would have been, you know, a score. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. So now we're at that the point where we um, we can be a little bit more particular and make sure that it is the right fit and just for our personal well being more than anything. <laughs> <right>? Mental health. <laughs> Mental but health. Just to, on top of what you're saying, if you like, if your design, if if you do design for clients where it's a friend and then you give them like a really great discount and then you go back to hourly rather than your like mm -hmm. your fixed fee and then that friend tells another friend because they're like oh like this is what I did so then it's hard to break that cycle and that person knows people similar to them mm -hmm. not, yeah right yeah. So yeah. it could go it could go the opposite right? way exactly yeah. whereas you want clients who let's say work in the government and they have government jobs and they know people with government jobs and now they're pressing your name to government jobs and their budgets are a certain echelon yeah. right so I think it's just like where you want to spend your energy because those clients who are fickle will tell their friends who are fickle. Yeah, that yeah people are attracted and hang out with similarly exactly. incomed mm -hmm. yeah. people. Like yeah. the meeting I had last week was with a friend who's very similar in mentality as this girl. <laughs> oh. I was like, okay, now I understand why they're friends. <laughs> and they're like, I don't want this job. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Rebecca? I would say that it didn't happen overnight. If you're looking for a quick fix, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you. It takes time and for everyone it's gonna take a different amount of time. Just when I feel like I've gotten over that hurdle, I'm right back saying, why the fuck did I just take that job? I wish I didn't take that job. Because mm. I'm in the pudding too. I, I get nervous. Yeah. Like you might say that a solopreneur is nervous because they need the next job to survive, but now I'm employing four or five people. And so now I like I wake up in a panic. I want to make sure like I need bigger jobs. I need more jobs. I need to fill the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when a job comes to me that's not my ideal client, it's not the perfect scope, I say yes because I get nervous mm -hmm. that the next job's not going to come. So part of it is trusting in yourself and being really strong in knowing what you want, but at the same time it is a process. And I, do, I don't have all the perfect clients right now. Like, I love all my clients, but I wouldn't say they all have, they fit all those categories. Right. So if you're looking for the easy fix, I don't think it exists. It's just continually trying and, and knowing that you are getting better with every job you do. And every job, I always say, every job is a learning experience, even the shitty consultations. <laughs> <laughs> because then the next time around, you'll figure out how to avoid that same situation. So I always see the jobs that are like the lemon jobs or the jobs that are not with the right client as the great experience to teach yourself what not to do the next time. And some people like myself take longer to learn because I have to learn the mistakes for myself. Yeah. I can't learn from other people's mistakes. I wish I could. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And I've said this before, the mistake, like you can hear somebody say like, do this, do this, do this. But then until you realize personally why you should do this it's hard to get really passionate about whatever this is because yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden you're like yeah no I did that the way everybody told me to do it 
And now I realize it's like the way because I had, anyway, whatever. Okay, so let's go back to the creative process. Um, early on, so you guys did say you don't look at Pinterest boards in the consultation. Does the consultation itself play a role in setting up what you know is gonna be the vision for a client as far as creatively and aesthetically in the space slash functionally? Well, in the space, when you're in that consultation, you speak to the clients about what they like and what they dislike about their current space. I mean, I don't know, we haven't had many clients that say, okay, we like nothing in this space, take it all out and let's start new. Obviously, that's like the dream client, but there's typically, you know, if it's a piece of art or a sculpture or even a pillow or just something that they have purchased recent, recently that they, they are drawn to. And then from there, you can kind of build off of their likes and dislikes and kind of go from there. But I think definitely in the initial consultation, you do get some sort of insight to their aesthetic in general. It's kind of hard though. I like, I love when you say this, Michelle, that in a consultation, you feel like you're put on the spot, like you've got to come up with all the best ideas right then and there because it's supposed to be a working consultation because they're paying us, right? But I'm like you, like, I don't know. I need to, it needs to ruminate. Like, I need yeah. to think about it. I need to wake up at 3 a.m. with the most brilliant idea. It's not something that I can tell them on the spot. Yeah. I admire yeah. people like yeah. that. So I always say, you know, gather all the information. Here's some suggestions that's off the top of my head. I'm just spitballing. I haven't yeah. had right. time this to really think work. about it. Yeah. And then I always say, once we get into the design process and we can get like floor plans because it's really helpful to see things from a bird's eye perspective mm -hmm. and I try to set them up for that so that they know that if I say let's do a navy wall I might say later no 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 just joking just joking <laughs> I hate navy <laughs> I love navy but yeah, yeah to try and set up their expectation because yeah. I find it very stressful in the consultation to come up with like yeah. all the answers oh, yeah. yeah and it, it's also just like by the way, it takes longer than two hours to design a room. So like, <laughs> let's say we're doing just a consultation right now. Yeah, I'm gonna give you all the great ideas, but I also haven't validated any of them. Oh, so like, good, and I find that to be a really tough line. Yeah, it's a good line. It's a good line. No, <laughs> but, but like, but sometimes I do. I'm like, I'll sell just a consultation because my budgets aren't great all the time. So I'm like, you know what? No, I'll give you just a consultation, but it's, it's a really tough thing for me because I, I want to give so much value, but it's also like, but by the way, when I, the stuff that you see on my portfolio, like that wasn't just done in two hours, you know, there's a lot of work yeah. that needs to be done, but okay. So for you, what, um, the consultation. So we have a little bit of a different process because we are design built. So like we actually have the construction in house. And Rocco, my partner, manages the construction. So when we do a consult, I go with him if it's like construction design. And we, we actually look at the, some of their Pinterest images because for us, we're going to provide not just like a finite design quote, but also a soft construction quote, right? Because um, for us, we want the project complete. Mm -hmm. So when we walk to this house, we want to know whether they want modern, which is a different cost applic application than you know traditional, or whether there's wood wainscot they're looking for, because that'll make a big difference not just in our design, um, the amount of time like for working drawings, but also you know how how meticulous are they looking for, or how general are they looking for. So for us, it's a two meet consultation. So we have our first initial meeting with them at their space. We look at their inspiration. We walk around the space. We look at what the accessibility is. Like we're, like we're looking at like where what's the panel like? Like are we gonna have to put electrical 
update the electrical panel, put a pony panel in. Like we're looking at if we're putting an addition on this, like are we gonna have to bring have and have access to the backyard or we have to, you know, bring a lift or do a hand dig. So, so like you're two in one. It's you're two like in trade one. day and yeah. consultation in, in one, one go. In That's one go. stressful. Not really, because like Rocco knows what he's looking for. I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like how does the client move the space and what are their expectations? And he's looking for where are my structural loads? Where are my, like, how am I gonna access the property if we do the product project? Um, you know, what is the electrical panel? What are the, you know, what's the HVAC situation like? Is it radiant? Is it, and those are things that we'll both then talk about mm -hmm. after the meeting, come to terms with, okay, you know, what do we have to do in order to get this client to that point? Then we put together, like we do put together a soft quote for them and when they sign with us it's a soft quote so they know what they're getting into as well as a finite cost for architectural design so for us it's because we want to do the whole project right so we may have to put together you know a half a million dollar project in three to four weeks to present but then they know what they're getting into and for us it's about walking them through the project knowing that they're going to we're not going to take them down this road that they're not going to be able to afford and we're just spinning our wheels so sorry did you say you how long does that take to put together um well it takes probably about like six hours to put something like that together. okay you said something about a couple weeks or something but that's different yeah over no, okay so when we meet with them for our initial consult we usually have about three weeks before we meet them a second time to present them a soft quote Okay. Yeah. Uh, we presented in person. We did it in person. Out of curiosity, then, um, what would your from consultation to the soft quote conversion rate like? How many people so do you we, think yeah, at that good point? Good question. Good question. So we used to close to. like nine, like ninety percent. Which, by the way, means you you need to charge more. <laughs> yeah, we charge That's actually what that means <laughs> of our projects because we were already invested and the clients were invested. Mm -hmm. Right? So when they get that one-on-one -on -one time with you, they appreciate the direction that you're taking it. And you know, they're able to have that one-on-one -on -one because it's a big commitment. And it's, you know, we tell our clients like, you're gonna hate us in the beginning. I mean, you're gonna love us in the beginning. Yeah, right? okay, I was like, really? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're gonna love us in the beginning, but you're gonna hate us at the end and you'll yeah. like us again. Because, you know, construction is exhausting. It's you know, it's frustrating. Clients want to get into their house. We're not just the designer, we're the contractor as well. So we wear all those hats. So for us, you know, the client wants in their house, they want great design, they want the finished product, but they also don't want to pay the bill. So it's like a whole collab collaboration. That's why we do have a great team because the team is, we, we realize over time that we've had to separate. Like I cannot collect money because clients look at me as, yeah. I'm just here for a bill. I'm not here to manage their expectations. So now we've shifted things around. So we have like an accounting department that sends bills, that collects bills. We have our staff that like we have a project coordinator that organizes with them all the products and the ordering and the time management. And then I just deal with them on meetings where we're selecting product and we're presenting products. Because that way they look at you for everything and you just can't, yeah. like you can't grow if you're always the one and only point person for all aspects. Can I just add to that? I heard a really great tip from a designer friend of mine who said when she was working on her own, so if any of you are solopreneurs and you're running your own design business and you're doing it all and you're like, I don't have an accounting department, like I can't do that, create 
an email address. Yes, yes, yes. We just did it. So smart. So smart. Rebecca Hay Designs, email your client from that and introduce yourself as Shelly. It's just you. Yeah. And they don't have to know it. Yeah, so true. And then you are the second line of defense. So when they're not happy with Shelly, yes. I don't know, I think oh, it's Shelly. I just picked that name. I don't even know oh, Shelly. Um, but then if they're not happy with yeah. her, they'll call you and you can be the hero. Yeah. Actually, that's good for me because like Michelle, like Shelly's like my like oh, there you go. terrible alter ego. Alter ego, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can it's the worst. Um, no, that's a good point because yeah, because people hate you. That, yeah. They'll that. hate you and love you at the same time because you're there to do a job, but you're also there to collect money and they don't like collecting money. They don't like giving money. Mm-hmm. So it's and, and they so push back more they, sometimes yeah. to the business owner than they do when it's like a numbers person who's just like doing yeah. their job. Yeah. I really like to what you said about the like you're gonna love us and hate us because like I'm actually doing my own reno at my house right now and I'm definitely in the hate stage. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a <laughs> and actually like it's I cycle. know and I, it's been a good little like empathetic journey for me for my clients because I do think that my own clients have felt that like I don't do a lot of renovations but it's still like it's a long period of waiting and there's you know shit that goes wrong so I know that that's true and I like that you just like lead with that like let's just be real to. I have to yeah like, like you are actually going to yeah. hate me we, we tell them at our first meeting like you will hate us yeah you That's why you collect as much money up front while yes. the warm yes. fuzzies are happening. No, and then they work with us because yeah. like they recognize that like we'll be there for them, but at the same time, it is construction. It's not perfect. There's no such thing as perfection in construction, and like yeah. you just have to ride the waves. And it's a family. It's you know you you'll love us and you'll hate us at different times. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit off topic, but that's okay. Because this is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I started a podcast. Um, the you do you guys all on that discovery call talk about potential costs based on the scope that you have yeah. pretty much all yeah. of the time, yeah. or do you? Okay, so do you feel because a lot of different sales type people will tell you, you know, it's best unless people are leading with that cost conversation. Because I do feel very strongly that anybody who leads, who approaches me leading with budget and cost is a red flag for can they afford this? But if they haven't, a lot of sales coaches will say like, you wanna get them invested a little more before you like rip that bandaid off sometimes, right? So that they see the value before like giving them all and then them not totally understanding that. I'm curious, like what has your experience been with that philosophy and not doing it like do you feel like it doesn't matter this is still the better way tell them what it is up front potential cost wise because it's not cheap to work with a designer i rip the bandaid right off yeah i yeah. wait till the end of the call yes i yes. try to like just really build yeah. a rapport with yeah. them yeah. talk yeah. about what up. they want to do Get most of the time it's them it. talking and me listening yeah. mm-hmm. like the discovery call is them telling me everything they hate about their house and then at the end i said oh we forgot to talk about budget I oh, tack it on at the end. <laughs> you know, did you have an idea in mind of how much you thought you know would cost? And what they say is a hundred. They said one hundred and fifty thousand, from very recent experience. And I say, <laughs> there's no way that's gonna cut it. I say, oh yeah, I don't know if that sounds like enough for what you're talking about. But you know, we could talk about that in the consultation or something like that. And then I'll say, a recent project that was similar okay. was about two fifty. Um, you know, it depends on the size. I haven't seen the space yet, but I just try to keep it open so yeah. that they already have that expectation, like, yeah. oh, maybe it's not enough. And you're still planting it without being completely, you know, final with, yeah. with the numbers. I think there's been times, too, where we've had a really great conversation and we 
let's say we've taken up too much time and one of us has to get off the phone, we've sent um, an approximate estimate afterwards with a, for um, a similar scope of work and just said, again, like within you know recent experience, we've come in here for construction costs, design fees, and engineering permit fees and all of that. And they're still getting that information before we do meet in person. Okay, I'm curious. I'm just gonna ask, like, who in the audience here, the audience, there's a huge amount of people for those listening on this recording. It's like hundreds of people out there. Who has been in business less than two years? Okay, more than two years. I mean, okay, that was stupid. Everybody else. Less than five years, yeah. Okay, I'm just curious. Okay, so do you guys find like the majority of the people that you, what, do you find a lot of people, those in business lower amount of years, the people contacting you have seemed to have very unrealistic budget numbers in mind? I wish we could crack that code, like what yeah, is going on? Yeah, somebody said yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. I just like, there. okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just very interesting. Is, is she TV, guys? Is it TV, I but like, it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't so know. Is it our websites? Yeah. Is there something yeah. we're doing that's like. I think also cost of construction has really gone up over yes. the last couple of years, yeah. incredibly. Yeah. We, there's a, a huge lack of people who can do the job and the city is not able to support financially people that live in the city and work and do constructions, they all live outside the city. So the cost of like labor has gone up tremendously. The cost of materials have gone up. The cost of like, electricians and plumbers. Electricians and plumbers. Those to me always blow my mind. I feel I like just, they've gone up like So I need to be a plumber. Right. Okay. Is, you know what the problem is there's just not enough good labor also. Like a lot of it is hack work. A lot of it is people who just don't know, like, aren't at, are out of a job and then just go into it and you're trying to manage the client's expectations, but at the same time, your, you know, your um, contractor or your, your painter or your tiler, like, can't work with the painter and this person can't work with this person because it's all an ego fest. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. that's, like, a whole other world that I think needs to, like, reconcile. Yeah. But, you know, like, my question is, like, you guys are obviously getting people who are willing to pay. Um, this is like a very like newbie question. Like I've really been struggling with the leads that I'm getting this year all just have very unreal, especially on the Instagrams. Like yeah, don't get me started on those leads. But, and I do, I just sell them, you know, now I've just kind of gone, okay, I need to make it work. But it's like, I don't know, is there something that we're doing as newbies that's like screaming I'm cheap. Like I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and like, what if like I like? Did, can anybody like reverse engineer that transition from like when you started? Like that's what I'm trying to like. What or was it just you got? Maybe it is just you get that one project that then it dominoes. Like, and it is all about getting that one project that then it can domino where they speak to one person and then it's like this, like effect of it continuing. But right now it's just like, oh, these freaking. I will say I will say that Andy and I and. Megan and Corey, we're still kind of working on it, so um, yeah, I got listen it. intently to I got, to I got inquiry too. for like a thousand dollar renovation project today. So oh, like, no. <laughs> I have a thousand dollar budget for furniture. What can you do? <laughs> I can't tell you to go to IKEA. And I got inquiry today too for sixty thousand dollars to do a full gut reno on their twelve hundred square foot condo. Wow, okay, so that's not enough money. No, so here's what's also so what the thing too is like, yeah. can it be done? Yeah, go DIY it though. Yeah. Right? Like it's yeah. not that's not what happens with a designer. Okay. 
and we're back. Okay, so back to the creative <laughs> process. That was disappointing. So, yeah, you know what? I don't know. This is I just like I don't have the answer to. I will add. I will add that I think that professional photography is key. I feel like we all know that, but yet still, we're, a lot of people are still posting pictures that aren't fully professional. Um, professional photography because you need to put out the image that you're doing high-end work. Mm -hmm. If someone comes to see your website or your Instagram, which is like your second website these days, yeah. uh, and they don't see high-end work, they assume you don't do high-end work. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying that you're not doing high-end work. No, but well, I'm not. Talking about, <laughs> so then that's where you have to get strategic, right? And yeah. like crop the pictures and just style. Like I know a designer in Toronto who I think is doing an incredible job and she's pretty new at it. And I mean, her Instagram is, the same house or the same room maybe, yeah. but it's really beautifully curated uh, vignettes as yeah. opposed to the full room. And it's expensive products that are probably on loan from like a great shop, I don't yeah. know. Um, but you have to use the marketing brain side and say, okay, how are we gonna market this brand to make it look more high-end? And then how do you talk about what you do, talk about the fold that renos, talk about the new builds. Even if you're doing like decorating some like, Sally is another S name. <laughs> Sally's like living room and it's not your style. Don't talk about it. Oh, I do not. Like, trust. I do projects <laughs> that are not on my website. I've done projects yeah. that I don't talk about on Instagram. Nobody even knows they happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 Except for the poor client who's like, why is it Myos on her Instagram? <laughs> But okay, so back to the creative process because I do want to make sure we're talking about that. Um, so early on, what kind of touch points do you have with your clients when you're starting to get the aesthetics of the house? Like, do, I know the Kimberly Selden way is very much kick, like tray day kickoff, I call it. Um, and then it's presentation, right? Full presentation. Is that your the way you do it? Or do you guys have like early touch points of like mood boards where you want to get buy-in before you go in too deep, right? Mm. Carly, Carly has an interesting process. I feel like you should start. Yeah, I do tell. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> well, okay. What's the difference? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> really? So I'm okay. Excited. So so we do. Okay, so we do a initial call to find if if their budget and if their timelines and if their expectations are in line with ours. We then do a consultation at their home where we you know vet the client a little further, look at the square footage that we're looking at. And then we present them, you know, the soft quotes and, and the, or just the design fee. And if they want to move forward, then we move forward. So what we do is we call it, oh, this is my, my deep cleanse. Oh. I do a deep cleanse. See, That's what we call it. We call it a deep cleanse. And it's our first initial meeting. It's a kick off the client. And that deep cleanse is I bring like one or two of my sources, depending on the size of the project. And we sit down with both clients and we talk about, we spend two hours just understanding like how they live, the products they want to re-keep and reuse, um, you know, what are, what's going on in the kitchen, what are their expectations for laundry, what are their expectations for bathroom, and just really understand and do a full gut as to focus on what exactly their expectations are, right? Like really like how do they live, how do they go day to day, what are their things that they hate about their home, what are the things they love about it, you know, is it north facing, is it south facing, where, you know, what art are they wanting to do we want to reuse in the space? So we have that. Once we go from that, we have two weeks before we do our phase one meeting. So our phase one meeting is where we do inspirations and plans. And that way we're able to say, this is exactly where we see the project going. This is exactly how the plans that we think the project should be going based on 
the budgets that we put together, based on the amount of structural we can accommodate, based on the addition that we're able to accommodate without going to committee, for example, or going to committee, and they, we now finalize that phase. Once we finalize that phase, they're happy with that. We do one round of revisions, which is unpaid. Once anything outside of that one round happens, we charge them. So that way it's very distinctive. It's not like start, stop, start, stop. Mm -hmm. It's after this meeting, send us all your, like all your changes or things you're unsure about. We'll make one round and that's it. After that, it's paid. Yeah. Because that's where you get pulled in yeah. easily. Um, after that, we move on to phase two. So we allow six weeks, like Kimberly sells in, and we take six weeks to now select like the tile. The so sorry, it's six weeks after phase, phase one. one. Okay. Yeah. So phase one happens. They they're happy with it. They make some changes. We do our round. We're happy with it. We move on to phase two. So phase two is now elevations and material selections. So this is where we'll show them, you know, one to two options for flooring, for tile, like all the elements are going into their space. So we, we have at one meeting, we present them everything in the home, not furniture yep. yet, because that's like a whole other aspect. All the hard surfaces, cabinetry, elevations of the cabinetry. We then bring them in and we present that to them. That way they're able just to focus on the material selections with the prices, we present them the prices. We share a discount with our designers. I know Kimberly Selden was like, you should share it. And you know what, that's actually worked really well for us because they can do their own homework, they can go online, and then it becomes like a, he said, she said, I can get this price. Like that's where we have a lot of hard time with our clients is we, and since we've implemented that, we've had no issues and we make a ton of money now on product purchasing. Sorry, can you clarify that? I didn't yeah. follow. So you share your discounts with your designers? With my clients. Oh, with your and then, yes. and then how do you make you money you if you split it? Oh, you share. Split it. Share it. Got it. it. Splitsies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Splitsies. Because then, yeah, they, makes like, sense. They can go on LT and they already know going into that that they already that we already get twenty percent off. Yeah. yeah. There's no like, yeah. like restoration hardware has cut us out completely of the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They can pay a hundred bucks to exactly. get in on that action. Exactly. Yeah. So we say like we'll share it, but like we're managing the ordering. We're, and you know what? At the end of the day, it cuts out the bickering. It cuts out the back like going behind us and trying to like get other vendors, we end up making a really great profit and we end up closing the project. And they're happy, we're happy, and it makes and everyone is satisfied. And you can control the deliveries and have everything when you need it exactly. too, without relying on them. Yeah. And when it's trade only, aka like forty percent for example, so from easy. Got it. Okay. And then okay, so you do phase two. Phase two, so that's phase two. Once they select everything, we then render everything so that they can see it exactly as so phase three. Phase four is we do like all the final electrical drawings, the material, like the all the drawings for the whole project, for the construction. And then phase five is we now present them all the furniture products with costs as well. So again, like we would share a discount. We use a company called Builder Trend. So it's, it's a service that we're able to manage our construction and our estimates as well as all the like product selections with the links and we can share that on the back end with our, with our clients. So they can actually go in, see what the product is, see what the retail cost, see what their cost is, and say, yes, I'd like to purchase. So that way it allows us, and it goes right to QuickBooks, so that way we're able to manage that. We implemented that like two years ago, and it's changed our business, because everything is selected, forgotten about, and moved on. It's called Builder Trend. So like there's Ivy, there's Designer, um, 
what's it called Zyme Docks. Zyme Docks. We use builder yeah. trunks. It's more for construction. Yeah, that makes sense. But we're able to like have a couch and like the the source for the couch and the cost of the couch and the and the percentage off and the percentage we're going to charge mm-hmm. the clients. Mm-hmm. So it's just easy to manage. So they go in electronically yeah. and approve it. Yeah. So you can't. So you can say, well, you approved it. Yeah. So exactly. Like, you saw it. Exactly. You knew what it was. Exactly. <laughs> so it allows us to create like a streamlined process. Then everything is ordered in phase five, and then everything is installed in in, in phase six. I love, I'm really glad I'm recording this because I loved everything you just said. <laughs> I want to dig a bit deeper, but I'm going to get yeah. you guys to, why don't you tell us kind of what the initial question was. Um, what do you do early on? Like, is there some touch points before that final presentation to kind of get you aligned with the client to, to well, the aesthetic of what you're doing? After all that, I feel like we're doing a bit of weed cleanse a bit too early. Like, I feel like if I'm in the consultation, I kind of get into a lot of that, like, what do you expect in the kitchen and the laundry mm-hmm. and stuff like that, kind of right off the bat. And then we'll go with the, the proposed floor plans and inspiration. Um, a lot of clients nowadays are sending the Pinterest and house idea books. So, I mean, that helps. Some of the ideas we kind of ignore and just yeah. say, it's better because. Yeah. And um, from there, once they um, approve the plans, or we do one round of uh, revisions as well, and um, from there, it'd be more the selections, the elevations, um, a very similar process, um, just more of the deep cleanse, I think, earlier on, which is probably getting us into trouble because it takes a lot of time, with a lot that of time. before we have that, um, that complete commitment. Yeah, mm-hmm. something to think about, Andy? <laughs> mm, interesting. Food for thought. Talk to me. Yeah, I, I'm probably more in lines with two birds, but we, I'm like drinking the the business of design Kool-Aid like all the way. Like I do it exactly to a T and I love it. So I only meet the client twice before the presentation. Which is? Which is consultation. Okay. Trade day. So we have a trade day, which is after we, kind of like what Carly said she does like in the consultation. So that's when we already have met with the client. We haven't done the design yet. And we bring in our contractor, different trades, a drapery, window measure, carpet people, flooring people, maybe an electrician or plumber with the contractor, whatever required by the design that we think or by the scope of work. And then we walk through the space and say, hey, is this feasible? Are you going to need a pony panel? What's going to be required? This pony panel. <laughs> pony right? panels are the rage. It's all the rage, actually. <laughs> Anyways, that's all the topic. But um, and what what can or can we not do? Like this is a structural wall. Sometimes an engineer comes to trade day if we think we're going to need it because we really want to uncover everything in trade day. I always ask clients, can we cut holes in the wall? Like by then they're committed. They've already hired us. So then we really deep dive into the space. It's usually half a day to a full day depending on, we scat, we stagger the trades so that they're not there at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that none of those trades has to go back to give us a quote because these people are not in house like they are for you so I need to then reach out and get quotes from them. And then we go back and we take eight to 10 weeks to do the design of everything. We communicate with the client on a weekly basis. We ask questions as they come up but we don't see them again until the presentation. And at the presentation, and I was very scared to do this, I'll say the first time. Because to me it was so foreign. I used to present floor plans and give feedback. And then I'd have like a fabric scheme and get feedback. Yeah. And it was like all about yeah. feedback. Because I didn't, for me, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my design, my personal design ability to just do it. And what I learned is my clients, anyways, it wasn't as organized as yours is. But they, Only in the last year and a half. They wanted me to <laughs> say like, do this. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole time I'm like, well, what do you think? 
What do you right. think? And they were just like, what do you think? Like, <laughs> so, so I've eliminated all of that. And it was really scary the first time I did it because I went into presentation panicking. I'm like, what if they don't like this? Like, I don't think I even asked them if they like blue. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and the whole kitchen is blue. And I like had a panic. And I, we did the presentation. We pre presented an entire construction plan. So it's electrical drawings, it's elevations, it's floor plans, it's all the furniture, it's all the Dang. accessories. It's the art that we found at PI Fine Art. It's <laughs> you name it, uh, not accessories. We don't go that far, but we pick as much as possible. And we present it yeah. and it's like, it's like someone vomited on the table pretty things, which is overwhelming for the client. Yeah, very it's very overwhelming, but we usually get them to close and sign off really quickly because they can see how everything relates and they're um, so overwhelmed that they're just like hey get me on i've had wine at presentations before that helps nice but, um, i think that and then that first time i did it they were like wow we love everything i'm like how is that possible <laughs> like i basically tried to read their mind and with every project i get better and better and i'm more confident that they don't know what they want. They don't know what they like. So I'm just going to tell them. Yeah. And if they don't like something, we also have a round of revisions. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm having some serious feedback. envy right now. Like this sounds like a unicorn situation to me, which I think <laughs> I need to like reframe, right, Jody? I need to reframe my brain and believe in, in this. But okay, question. <laughs> is it harder to get approvals this is just is like I have a biased answer in my brain and I'm curious. Do you find it easier to get a green light on renovation finishes versus furnishing related things? Okay, I was no, right. I find no. it easier. I find that it's so much easier. But I feel like people have a lot of opinions on furnishings and other no. things because they're very I'm used to seeing every it. Time. I think it, it depends though how much of that, that picture you're painting. Like I, when you are presenting, the full range, and I mean, even to go as far as the full house, they can see that cohesive flow and look for everything. And I think that way you get almost approval of both. I would say the most successful meetings are when we are presenting the most instead oh, of bits and pieces, right? Do you typically accompany all of what you're saying right now with a 3D rendering? No. Okay. Not always, but we've started to do it more, I think. But after, sorry, after the approval. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it's like, to me, it's like what happens is, let's say that art or that rug, and it's, it's like such a domino effect of like one thing they don't like. So sometimes I just, I'm inclined. Sure. This is what I'm inclined to do, and I need maybe, and also just having gotten burned early on by like completely missing the mark because I didn't get to know the clients well enough that I may be like overshot now. I've gone like too far to the other side and maybe I need to like, you know, reel it in a bit, but I'm like, okay, well this art, I'd like to get the green light on the art because it is such a like, are we gonna do a blue sofa? Well, that's such a domino effect of decisions versus not a blue sofa. Like, is that just something you roll with? Like, let's say you're making a bold decision like that. Do you wanna get that buy-in early or do you just roll with it and hope? So it's all or nothing. Right? So you do the presentation and you're like, there's a blue sofa, there's this beautiful sunflower art, there's this great sizal rug, whatever it is. And they say, ooh, sizal, ooh, that's hard to clean, I don't want that. I'm like, okay, that's fair, it's true, it's hard to clean. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have an option B, I always have a backup option in the presentation, 
or they might think about it over the weekend and then they're like, uh, we thought we liked it and that's where the round of revision. So it's like one email, I say one email with everything you want to change within reason and they understand that it's, you know, usually it's like five or six things, mm -hmm. which still blows my mind. Yeah, that's good, mind. yeah. Um, and it's not that I think I'm that good, it's that I'm shocked that people, that they don't know design. They're hiring designers to do it. And for the longest time, I needed like so many decisions and I need to give clients so many choices. Mm -hmm. And now I don't give them choice. I give them one choice and they're like, that's good. What it if they say, I don't like the blue couch? So we said, let's find another couch. No problem. Do you don't feel like there's a domino effect to the other decisions that happen? there is. Okay. Yeah. So that's when you say, okay, so that's fine. We'll reselect. But if we go with the neutral couch, then that means that the size all looks like a lot of neutral. I might want to change up the rug, right? So you have that conversation with them. Um, but usually I find like they don't change a lot of items. When they have everything in front of them, that's what I find, like, this is why this method to me is brilliant, because they see everything, like you said, like, all together. So they see how that hardwood floor works with the carpet and then the sofa on top and how everything layers, and you can show them in the presentation. You also have to be able to read your client and feel them in the presentation. So if you pull out a blue sofa and they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, okay, how do you feel about that blue sofa? <laughs> well, I don't know, I'm on the fence. Right away when they're on the fence, I'm like, okay, I need to have a backup just in case. Right. And okay, so how many of you, like do you guys ever get clients who want you to work with something that's just, <laughs> just terrible and you're like, how am I gonna work with this? And do you just use that as your jumping off point? You know, like, what do you do? They're like, this was my grandmother's. Also, this was my yeah, yeah. This is. I'm not painting a very good picture for my life, but anyway, um, this like piece of art, for example, I find is a very common one where you're like, that looks so cheap, because it probably is. But but you know what? We got it on the streets of Paris. I'm trying to change change the details a little bit. Um, but they want it. They want it in there. It means a lot to them. Oh, I work it in. I just put it into like a back room. I was going to say, or the hallway, or the yeah. cottage. Or, I had know, a client who's like, they away. bought, hey, all this art, they bought on their honeymoon, and it was the burning of Dubrovnik. Like, literally, like burning oh of Dubrovnik. That's uplifting, yeah. So, like, wow. we just put it in areas that, like, weren't major main areas. That, you, yeah. you have to like be sensitive yes, and empathetic, right? but yeah. at the same time, like you have to also be the person that they want you to be, which is yeah. the person who's saying, no, this is not going to work if that's where they're paying you. Most of your clients, I find, like are paying you because they want the honest yeah. aspect yeah. and the honest answers. It's just finding a way to give it to them without, or like making a joke of it. I mean, <laughs> I'm really good at that. Like. I think too. Like, oh, you're joking, right? Oh no, shoot, you were serious. Oh. Like I told the client the other week that like her child was like a natural like birth control. Oh, <laughs> like this is the type of relationship I yes. love. Yes, yes, right. That's, like, that's next level. That's next level, right? Yeah. And she's like, I really feel like we connected at the end of this meeting. I'm like, okay, good. She's we're like, on the same page. Yeah, my child is terrible. Yes. yes. And she's like, I swear, he's never like this. Okay, I don't want to work with you. But I think it's just, yeah, having a sense of humor. I find with my clients, I'm a little inappropriate sometimes. But I feel like you are too. <laughs> inappropriate. Like, I feel like you're just like, this is like, no, this is you just know how what? it is. Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty good at reading the room. Like I know when I can be. Yeah. Your kid is birth control to my wife <laughs> versus like you have a lovely child. <laughs> so exactly. like yeah. Exactly. 
when we were talking and about I appreciate that client better sorry but <laughs> no, yeah we, we, we cut you off when we were talking about these questions and Andy's that responsive well I don't love it and you kind of like lead in with mm -hmm. that but I think you can also talk you can be objective about it you can instead of being sentimental about the piece of art like obviously the clients tend to be mm -hmm. you can say well it doesn't work because of this shape or the tone or you know and the scale and you can kind of relate it that way yeah. and I think that's a, a good side polite way yeah. to say it's all truthfully that is a really yeah. good strategy it's, it's a lot of like <laughs> what we talked about not the same thing earlier but it's like well you know what that's great like what do we what is the most important thing in this room for you do you want it to look amazing and do you want it to do xyz and do you want the scale to be right or is it more important for you to have that piece in the room and most of the time the client will say like oh yeah no i do want it to look really good and if you don't think <laughs> like it's just like throwing it back like okay do you want it to be do you want to use the furniture that you already have to save money but it's gonna look completely off in the room? Or do you want us to make a space that makes sense with the aesthetic of the architecture, yeah. you know? Like, and normally they're like, oh, okay, yeah. Sometimes we're so married to our designs and we're so like personally involved in it. Like you have to take a step back. It's their house ultimately. And like worst case scenario, you just prop in something else for the photo shoot. Yeah, I do that time. all yeah. the time. Like go yeah. to PI, get something on loan, put it on the wall, right? Yeah. Nobody ever needs to know that your client had this really awful art of a burning city. Yeah. <laughs> I did that actually with a sculpture in my one client's like it was not good. I took the picture with his sculpture. He was offended. I was like, no, I'm gonna get the picture for you, but you know what? And then I had like a sculpture of my own that I replaced it with. He was, he was offended, I could tell, but I was like, yo, I'm paying for these photos. This is my portfolio. Yes. Like, that's just what it's gonna be. We had a good relationship like that. His kid is a child, you know, birth control, whatever. But um, yeah, anyway. You, but you know, like you said, you kind of know, you read the room and you know what you can yeah, and can't say. I, I find the clients get to a point where the, like, they can't make any decisions unless Carly or like, like approves that. it. That's my favorite. Oh, everything. No, but then it just defines like, cause then like they, there becomes a problem because then they don't trust your staff. They want you and that's where like, that's where, oh, we're, I don't have that's where yeah. we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like we have a problem yeah. where like, I, I, I can't be involved in the project to that degree and like my staff needs to be able to work with them, but they now become so dependent on this particular person's, you know, their thoughts that I don't know if you have this issue, but then you get dragged back in when you're like, okay, no, like I don't need to be part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's the constant struggle of like trying to grow your business and like yeah. as you grow and you hire people, it's hard to like delegate and give them tasks and know that they're probably not gonna do them the same way that you are. And they may not do even do them as well as you do, but you have to give them that space to learn, make their own mistakes, get better. And it's hard to let, I've struggled with that, to let them have that ownership, to like make those decisions, because then I'll come in and say, well, what, how did you not see that? What about this? What about that? And it's part Oof. of their learning. And so it is a struggle with the client because you want the client like they came the to me, like my name is on the something. <laughs> it's on the website, right? So like, <laughs> I don't have like a sign in my office, <laughs> the billboard. They come to me and so they want my personal touch. So it's really interesting, like finding that balance of, okay, so here's your design lead and they're gonna be in touch with you on a weekly basis, but still showing that I'm present in the project without making every single decision. 
And that for me, like that's like a whole other podcast. I was Joyce. Joyce. Yeah, that's just gonna that say that. Like, like that is a gutter. My obsession. Yeah. How right do you now? grow if like you're they're paying for your creative scaling ability. and still keeping it the Rebecca Hay touch, like my personal touch, whatever that is with my clients. It's yeah. all be like you know safe and respectable, but it's you know there's a great relationship that I've built with them, and so I want to make sure that I keep that, but I can't be hands on doing every project if I want to grow my business. Totally. That's what I'm going to ask Shay McGee and Amber Lewis when I talk to them on my podcast. Um, Okay, let's actually get to like the creative, creative stuff. Like not this like process, whatever. When you're (laughs) handling an actual space, like what do you do? Do you you go, okay, I think that this space is about this focal point, so it's going to be about the art. And that's my jumping off point. Like what is it in particular to you? to get that whole like flow going of how a room starts and builds. I think it's different for each client. There's usually that kind of that something that you pull the, mm-hmm. the colors from, but it tends to differ, I don't think. Fabric, I love fabric. Yeah. Or like a beautiful rug. Yeah, rug, fabric, or art. art. Those yeah. are the, my three go-tos. Yeah, I find the same thing, yeah. yeah. Totally, I don't know, I find, I think I just naturally are pulled towards hard finishes, so, um, I think the inspirations for me is an opportunity to like visualize a whole room completed, but in that style, whether it's a mixture of, you know, whether it's farmhouse, whether it's contemporary or a mixture of both, it's just, I see the space as an overall and then I start, so I kind of reverse engineer it. I see it finish and then now I have to find all those vendors to now pull it together. And so the, like their initial, um, like their personal, you know, the way they, with the things that they like and their personal Pinterest, is an in like a you know a small window into that, and then my job is to go in and just blow it up. Yeah, and improve. <laughs> like yeah, it. and just like put it, so like what's the detail of like the ceiling? So the trim, like do we want to do like a, a a wall that's light and the trim that's punchy? So like you know, and you get that because of the style of their home or the style they want to achieve. And I don't know, like for me, I go into a space after seeing something in their Pinterest and I'm able to visualize it, but I think reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the scope too, because if we're doing a, a kitchen, for example, it might not be a, you know the fabric that we pull from or a rug. It could possibly be the art, but I think then we're going back to the hard finishes and maybe yeah. then it's like a beautiful backsplash that we just fell in love with and kind of build off of that. Um, but yeah, there's always that kind of entire vision in a sense yeah. yeah I actually do art last art and rugs are last it's funny you me. bring up art because I was gonna yeah <laughs> I was gonna ask because I don't know just seemed like it made sense um art is real okay you guys was that me, me. Oh. oh no I hope it didn't break oh hey <laughs> she like released the <laughs> those are those clients she loves texting her that's why you love them so much um do you guys find that art can be a difficult one to nail because it, I do like it's, it can be so personal for each client. Yes, art is very difficult. I find art, I love it, but I find it difficult because clients have their own aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I remember doing a condo last year. We came here, actually, Nora was awesome, and we walked through with the client and she didn't say anything. I was like, I don't know what she likes. So I was like, I really like that. And she's like, <laughs> and we walked through, but we ended up finding some fantastic pieces, 
but I helped direct her because I also think people don't really always and they're know scared. what they yeah. like either. They're, scared. they're like, is she going to judge me if I say that I like that? Or I feel like there's Maybe, a little bit of yeah. that too, right? Yeah, we, so I work with Elise usually. Um, so what happens is after we finish and select all the products, then we come here and we'll go through like all the areas. I'll have them pull what they like and I'll pull what I think would be best and then we do process elimination. Like and then like they get it. They don't really know what they're looking at. They just know like their style and then we'll put together a quote. We'll eliminate what doesn't make sense because of budget or because of um, the final details and then we'll place the order. But so, like so far clients, they've like, they have a great selection here. Like yeah. we, and like their prices are so good. <laughs> and like their process, cause yeah. like they show the cost, the product, where it's going, the image, the frame, and like your price, the client's price. Or sorry, retail and the, your price. So it just becomes so easy. The client's able to see a large format of it. They're able to, like the prices are really, really realistic. And I think it's just building that, um, build, like just building the credibility with your clients. Yeah. Trust. And what about you, Renee? I think for us too, it's just about that that guidance as well to say, okay, we're looking for something that is, you know, this size, and again, being objective about it, and then walking through and seeing how they respond to certain styles and and colors and things like that, and just saying, you know, this is what would work best color-wise or size-wise, and then seeing again their just response to our style. Because you really have no idea when they come in, like no. what they're looking for. And it can be overwhelming, so yeah. you narrow it down and direct them that way and say, oh, I like this one because mm-hmm. it kind of can help. Yeah. Do you guys visit other showrooms with your clients in order to help like drive any decisions at all? Is that part of your process ever or exceptions that you make just for any particular no, reason? No, absolutely not, never. Really? Yeah. I would never bring my client to PI. I know I did just say that I did that last year, but I don't typically <laughs> do that. <laughs> No, never. Not even for upholstery. Oh my God, no. I have, they don't want to sit on the cushions. I find no, they want to sometimes. Sit. They want to sit. A healthy debate. Too, okay, and I'll yeah. take them to a showroom. Like there's some local, some great local upholsters here. That, and if the client is really picky and I can see that, mm-hmm. then I suggest it. Okay. But otherwise, no. Yeah, because I find the clients always want to sit. Yeah. Because it's a can of worms. Yeah. It's a can of worms. I used to take them everywhere. So like I've done everything, like every kind of design process, I've done it, right? <laughs> I've learned my lessons. I used to say, okay, meet me at Kravit or meet me at a fabric showroom and we'd meet and spend like two and a half hours and you could see the fatigue in their eyes, yeah. right? And you're going through all the fabrics. Even if I would pre-select the fabrics, I never do that anymore. I bring all the fabrics to my, to my office and I show it there. And the art, yeah. we have photographs of the art and I say, if they really wanted to come see it, they can. What we do a lot for art is we do sometimes wait till the end and then we prop it in on reveal day. So oh. on reveal, like places like PI are so generous, they'll let us take things on approval. So we'll loan pieces that are already here. I realize that it's not custom framed, but if there's a few pieces that we like, we'll take, we will hold it up. And often that's what happened with that one condo. They bought up like five or six pieces that we didn't anticipate because they saw it in the space and they really liked it. Mm. So that will do too. But no, I do not shop with my clients. I don't know, what about you guys? With upholstery, I would say, and even a rug too, sometimes, you know, for something that is a little bit um, pricey. That being said, a lot of places will let you take the rugs into yeah. the client mm-hmm. space anyways, so yeah, that's yeah. great. 
But we find that we what we do with art is we'll take them shopping at the end of the project to select because it could just be a very daunting process, even for us, because we don't know what their style is and like we don't want to show them and then just keep getting like hit down. Um, and then with rugs, we find that like we'll go select a couple of options, bring them into the space, set it down when all the furniture comes in, make selection, and then the, the other two rugs go back to, the, to, to like wherever they came from. And then we select, because I find that like a lot of the showrooms, the lighting is terrible. Yeah. So you don't even know, like, is it, in, Not in here. person, they look great, but when you bring it to their space, it's a totally different color, totally different, like, oh, yeah. aura. Yeah, no, yeah, that's definitely. so true. Yeah. And when you're committing, like, $3,000 or 1500 or 3000 like, it's a big commitment. Yeah. So, actually, I have a question about, back to presentations for just a minute. Um, when you're presenting the whole project, right, how typically long does that take? Sometimes way longer like than way it longer. Like sometimes <laughs> that's like, what I'm wondering like about, right? Like kidnapped. <laughs> I know because even yeah. two hours is like, oh, I'm losing you here. Oh so God. and I feel like, like if you did a whole home, sometimes. I know <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So how do you how do you sometimes keep you them going? Like two days. I was gonna say two to three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I've never yeah, had one last more than four hours. I had like six. I just feel like too, a whole home. Too much. Too much. Then with after the six hour one, we decided to split it into like. Two, so right. for a full house we did because when you do a full house like basement, main floor, yeah. second floor, third yeah. floor, like mm -hmm. all the rooms, all the materials, all the elevation, like they don't know. Like, and then they just get on a tangent yeah. about that sofas. And then they're like, we want to come back. It's like we don't remember everything we selected. Yeah. So we we've depending on the size of the home, like we'll split it into two meetings. Okay. It's just a lot of time. It's a it lot is. of time. But there's no way of fast tracking that. Okay, that's good to hear because yeah. I was like. Should I be doing this faster? Like, I, no, and I some, like, clients, some clients like will be talkers and they yeah. want to explain, they want to go into detail and they mm -hmm. go off on a tangent. So what we do is we try to have, we let them know that we have a, like a stop time. We started doing that. So we That's have like an associate come in and be like, um, you have a meeting in an hour. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and like, we just fake it. Yeah. But no, but seriously, cause like you're there at their disposal, right? Yeah. We're in a really thinkless yeah. industry where they just, if you're going to give it to them, they'll just take it and they'll ask you a million questions and they'll go into this showroom and then they'll talk about this and then they'll, t mm -hmm. and it just becomes like a daunting and like you're exhausted. Like you just presented for four hours. It's yeah. exhausting. Like, I will say out. something really interesting that I learned recently is I did a presentation. I've been doing this method for a while. Like, I never used to do these big presentations. It was like, let's make decisions and dribs and drabs along the way until we get to the end, which never seems to come. <laughs> so, yeah. so with the presentation, I would go into detail because, like, you know, we've spent all this time selecting all these materials and these finishes, and I would go through and do you see how the white oak flooring ties in with the carpet <laughs> and then this, and then we selected this, and did you know the fiber content of this? And the client is just like, Okay. <laughs> and then, the, and then, actually, it was my office manager, who's not a designer, who came on, and she's like, "Rebecca, you don't need to spend so much time talking. Just show them the slideshow and let them touch things." And I was like, "Huh? She might be on to something." <laughs> so, the next presentation, I'm like, "I'm gonna make this one short." And I went in, and everything was on the table. And I literally breezed through. I'm like, here, this is going to be the living room. And you can see this is the layout. We opted to put this here because of this. Isn't it lovely? And then this is the dining room. And literally, they were like, wow, that was great. Oh and God. it blew my mind. And you just Again, saved them money because it took you half the time to I do think that. we need to trust ourselves more as designers. Like, I, I continually am blowing my own mind because somebody else tells me to do something and I listen to them.
mostly it's Kimberly Selden, and I do it, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I can't believe that just happened, and they didn't need, now you're right, we will have those clients, and I have one right now that's like, we spent three hours talking about a tiny little basement refresh, I find and it was like a couch and yeah. a coffee table. I find the small of the and project, the client hours. will like, dro- like oh, yeah. be so much more focus on the details and spend like 20, like we'll do a kitchen in a three hour meeting. We'll do a whole house in a yeah. three hour meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true actually. It's and like everything like, needs to oh, mean nice. more to them too. I find like, this yeah. is why I say, I really don't want to do accessorizing only. I've done it before. Cause I love styling. Styling is totally my jam, but it is exhausting. But also the expectations when you're only doing so little, I feel have mm-hmm. gone so high. And it's a lot harder to walk away feeling like really good about what they had to spend in order to accomplish that little thing versus like wowing them with an entire home, right? Like it's just something like the psychology there just makes it really, really difficult. I don't know. Speaking of time, I feel like I should check in. How are we doing for time? How long have we been doing this? Oh, okay. All right. I think it might be a good time to go into, does anybody have, questions about it does not have to be about the creative process whatever you want and I'm gonna ask that you I may repeat your question ladder to make sure we get it here but um, okay, do so it up at the collective okay I'm just I'm just gonna repeat the question every time they're asked okay so she's asking well first of all let's say our names up before we ask so tell Sarah there you go. Follow her on Instagram. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> so she's asking, where do you present when you don't have an office? Uh, okay, so oh, I, I'm in oh, manager because oh. we don't have an office currently. Um, and aside from at the workspace yeah. collective, uh, no, collective workspace. Collective. There it is. Okay. Um, we present in their homes, and a lot of clients find it quite convenient, you know, with kids and their busy lifestyles, and even to see the items in the lighting of their space. And sometimes we're working with an existing sofa or this or that, and we need to have, see things on site. So we do that and we find that it's it works very well. I do the same, by the yeah. way. Yeah. What and about I you guys? I used to do yeah. that before I got an office space. Then when I did work out of my house, I did have a few clients come to the spare bedroom in my house, like a crazy design. <laughs> <laughs> come into my house. My child was like sleeping in the room next door. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, we used to go to their house too. Yeah, it's just hard when they're looking over you and you're trying to put things together. How do you say please be like give me two seconds? Oh yeah. 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 So I have like these trays that I kind of, okay, well, first of all, I will say I do a lot less renos. So there's a lot less schlepping of like tiles, which is a whole thing on its own. Mm-hmm. But I do like, I do these like trays where each room has its own tray and I just stack them and I just put them out and they're already kind of like, it's like they're already ready to go laid out in the tray i just go boom 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 and i don't know someone on instagram was doing that and i stole we that great ac- acrylic like clear acrylic trays on like yeah cb2 has down. really really good ones so, yeah i got my crate and barrel yeah. yeah a lot of stores have them anyone yeah. else wait let me wait can i finish the let me oh i'm so sorry <laughs> okay. oh yeah yeah <laughs> so sorry did i, I thought we did no so, okay, so we have our meetings at our office. We share an office with like our, with a few other vendors, but come November, you could present at the Collective Workspace, which is a co-working space just for designers and architects. 
shameless plug. This podcast is also sponsored by. So you can book boardrooms and actually like build your projects either at home or in the space, and then actually bring them to the clients and 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 book boardrooms to have in a professional setting. So it's not their homes. I find that homes they want to like take the fabric and go here, take the fabric and go here, and then they want to talk about it for a million years. And you're just like, uh, this is like a time-sensitive meeting. So I find that when they're in their home, they're so much worse to deal to, to kind of to deal, deal with. <laughs> yeah. Remember, she's the one yeah. who loves her clients. <laughs> no, I said that was the thing I did. That's, no, that's <laughs> the worst thing about business, <laughs> clients. No, but no, but that way we find that you know when you're in the client's home, they want they want to keep you forever. Yeah, they do. And they want like you're there not because you're a professional, you're there because you're you're servicing them and, and that's how they see it. And so creating that separation, actually I find has become much more successful for us. And even though, like our office is in Mississauga, so clients in Toronto, we say no, like these meetings are at our office, like we'll not accommodate you in your home because we wanna be able to number one, pull materials if this material isn't working. Mm-hmm. And also our meeting time is so much more, um, are so much better managed because we're on their home. And then like the kid is calling and then their phone rings oh, and then yeah. dinners, yeah. they have to yeah. feed their children. It's not a professional setting. You're not able to focus. They're not focused. And then they call you after like, I don't remember this, like this was happening. And so at least that way you have your, their full attention. Or they want you to it. leave them with samples. Don't leave samples no. with clients. Cause then they'll take pictures don't of it. Don't leave and then they'll samples with clients yeah. ever. Don't leave fabrics. Don't leave anything. Cause then they will just obsess over it. And then they'll be like questioning. Yeah. No, and then all of a sudden you get it. that email at I'll 3 in the morning say, about, I don't know about the camera. <laughs> and they don't see it with everything else, too. Yeah, if yeah keeping exactly. You. And then they show all their friends, and then everybody oh, has an opinion. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. I also, that is also my least, uh, like, hated thing about businesses and the clients. No, I'm just kidding. Love you. <laughs> I, I, we're obviously joking. Um, okay, yes. Okay, so I'm Michelle as well. Michelle yeah, you are. I have a question about budget. Okay, and I'm going to repeat that because I can tell that it, it didn't really register that. So Michelle's question for the listeners um, is the, the um, how do you identify the percent budget of your services in relation to the entire budget? Because sometimes that can skew very heavily on your services, and I have things to say about that too on a lower budget scale. But whoever wants to take I, I still have a hard time. Like I feel it's that hard. like I yeah I like I'll tell them the budget. I, I'll tell them like typically like what our fee is per floor generally and sometimes they're like okay no problem and sometimes they're shocked um, it's, an, it's always an uncomfortable conversation I find because they, they yeah. you know that they don't they're they're not expecting that yeah. somewhat you know that it's free right yeah, exactly. yeah. it's fine yeah. So it's always a hard <laughs> conversation but I, I really respect the clients that say to me up front you know, what should I be looking at? And then I'm able to have like a very honest conversation about it with them and give them a general cost per floor because I find it easier that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've struggled with that too, Michelle. Like, uh, and you and I have talked about this, but I struggle with that because 
they have this unrealistic expectation often and they don't know what it's going to cost. So what I've started to do, which has been a huge help, is sending a PDF prior to the discovery call or prior to even booking a discovery call with our fee structure. So I follow the flat or fixed fee structure. So the consultation is one fee. The design phase is a flat fee based on square footage. And it's new. I never used to tell clients. I used to just say, I'll tell you when I get yeah. there. Well, that doesn't work because <laughs> then they, they didn't budget that. So I, I've, I've put it on a piece of paper. I don't put it on my website for the world to know, but I send it to those clients so they know that I charge based on a square footage for one phase. And then there's a third phase, which is implementation, and that's a percentage of the total budget. And so on the phone, they'll already have received that. And when they say that's the budget, I often say, yes, just that doesn't include the design fee. And oh, did you get a chance to look at the, at the PDF that I sent you? Oh yeah, okay, no, I see so. And there's always confusion, right? They always need some clarification. And so we talk it out. Yeah, so we talk it out on the phone because if they don't want to pay what it, what it is I'm going to charge them, I don't want to waste their money and my totally. time in a consultation because I've run the numbers and you should all run the numbers and see where you make the most money in your business. I did it for the first time last year. It's so embarrassing to say, but I learned that the consultation is not a money maker for me. The consultation is just a stepping stone to find the right client. Yeah. So if I don't get a consultation out of it, that's fine. I'd rather have a consultation with the right client. Uh, it's not about making money on the consultation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do the same thing with the PDFs where we send over an, you know, a realistic um, range and fee structure. And then do from there, they already... Pardon? Um, in a sense, yes, we do estimates based on the scope of work and then we have that flat fee at the bottom. So I'm going to add to this on a more lower budget scale because I do find that the service fee percentage when you're dealing with somebody with a lower budget is much more difficult to process. So those are generally conversations I will have early on because the truth is it's again, it goes down to like when you're talking to a client, what are your biggest goals? At the end of the day, if the number one goal is budget to you, then and you only have so much money to spend, then it doesn't make sense for you to hire me. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's always about selling it to them. Like, I wanna make sure that you're getting the best value and I don't feel like with a budget, you know, you're telling me you want me to do two rooms for $20,000. Like, I mean, how many people get that? I get that a lot. Am I alone here? No. I apparently am alone here. Okay, thank you. And for me, I've done the numbers and I've done an analysis and it is like create a spreadsheet that you can input numbers in once you figure out what that process, you know, what that analysis needs to look like for you. Now I can very easily say that on average a room for me is, I normally say uh, 35 to 45 hours. I mostly do furnishing only. Um, typically it can be also 25, but that's what I lead with typically. And if you do the math on that at 150 an hour, if you're telling me your budget's like that, that math doesn't jive. It just doesn't make sense. So for me, a consultation is valuable to me because that is me helping me pay my bills while I'm trying to find the right clients. So when they don't fit that right criteria, if they say, well, I'm okay with that. I still, even though like it doesn't make sense and you're, I'm going to spend a lot on you. I'm okay with that, which happened a lot more early on when I wasn't charging enough, but it's up to them and it's up to us to make sure that they understand. Like at the end of the day, 
with those numbers, it's not gonna make sense for you to spend money on full service design. But what I can do for you instead is give you a consultation where we're gonna go real hardcore power, so this is what I do, like just a really intense power session where I'm gonna give you as much value as I can in the two hours. And then what I do now is I, on my own terms, that was good, I liked these people, I might give them additional offerings. Okay, you know what, we could do another one of those in two weeks if you've had time to execute some stuff on your own, or maybe we can shop together so we can make decisions at LT Market and I can give them 10% and they'll cut me a check for, you know, finding creative ways, but doing it on my terms, not making a service offering because low paying clients are the biggest pain in the asses. So I wanna know that you're not gonna be a pain in my ass if I wanna keep working, but it is a lot harder that percentage on a smaller budget and you just gotta be open about it. Because it is what it is, that's the time it takes. I don't care what your budget is, it's what it takes, right? Um, yeah, sorry, whoever it was next, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna repeat that one too. So the question is, um, how do you handle revisions if you're, I assume particularly, wouldn't matter if you're hourly, right? Because you would know you'd be billing, but if you're doing more of a flat fee, how do you handle it so that they're not taking advantage of that, that kind of step of the process in a flat fee situation? Um, we talk about it, I talk about it all the time. So in the consultation, on the phone call, I say there's one round of revisions. In the consultation, I walk them through my contract, which also acts as my proposal. And I literally read them through my contract and I say there's one round of revisions. And that doesn't mean it's one item, ha ha ha, I try to make it light. But it does mean that I need you to send me like within a two week period, an email specifically with all the changes. And then at the presentation, I remind them, we send mm -hmm. them a document before the presentation. We're big on sending PDFs to let our clients know what's coming. I always want my clients to know what's happening at the next step. So we send it in that, and in that it's, it's a reminder, one round of revisions is included. So it's like really like- Yeah, you have to keep repeating yourself. Hammering it. They'll hear what they want to hear. Yeah. yeah. For you, it's like one email. I say one it's email, now. I have clients, when you change it up, they're like, well, and there's still this little thing, and then there's still, I, I don't think it's possible to eliminate that entirely. Like we are talking about human beings here. Like there has to be a little bit of leeway. That's how I see it. And if they still aren't settled on one thing, then I might just say, let's just leave that out. And like, let's, let's not let this hold up the whole process. And we have a project right now the basement <laughs> where Shelley. No, I don't know. we can't decide on one of the two pieces of furniture. So we're just going to take it out and keep things rolling, get kickoff with the contractor, start demo, get rolling. And that's an exception, but I don't want that to, cause it can go on forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you lose the momentum. Everyone loses the excitement. Yeah. So I think just letting them know a lot, a lot. over and over again helps. I don't know yeah. what you guys. I, I don't send a PDF, but we just, we have it in our contract. It's highlighted in red. We then, yeah, <laughs> it just says like one round of revisions and then anything above and beyond is, 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 um, is a charge at, at, at the cost of you know, $200 an hour. 
we again like after we have our presentation like our phase one just remind you send us the, your list of revisions or we can have a phone call but anything up outside above that is going to be charged we've had i think like a lot a year and a half ago we had a client who sent a 15 page <laughs> round of revisions <laughs> and we fired them yeah wow. like it was like they don't we let them you. go yeah we like because no. you know that's not typical you know like this person obviously we're not able like we she sent a round of revisions i should I, sh I should really extend that sorry send a round of revisions 50 paid we had a, we had her come in we explained to her that like this is not typical you should not pay us to do your project because we're obviously not the right company for you yeah. she's like no, no no like she just was like a micromanager that's a really great way to say that actually yeah I feel. yeah i listened to a lot of different podcasts to figure <laughs> out what the best way of like answering that um we said like we just don't feel like we just don't think it's appropriate for us to take your money if you're making all these changes like we're just going back to ground zero She's like, no, 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 like, it won't happen again. We made the revisions. We went to phase two. We did the presentation. The same thing happened. And we said, I'm sorry, like, unfortunately, we just cannot work with you. We just are not the right company for you. It's not right for both of us. And we're just, we just don't think it's a good fit. And she was upset, but like it was done in a very like yeah. classy way. And it was just, we don't want to waste our money. We, there's no point in this. Like we'll finish off what we completed up to that phase and then because we do a 50% retainer when we start with the client so it brings us to phase two mm -hmm. so that way we said okay great we can complete this we'll make one round of revisions anything else and she like paid us to make those revisions and we handed off the project because it was just a, a time sucker yeah. right and like you know this is just the writing on the wall to yeah, what the next flag. phase the next phase the next phase will be yeah. and it's like I think that the more we've been in the business, I think that recognizing traits of clients is really important and being cognizant of it because at the end of the day, they'll just drag you down the rabbit hole. And mm -hmm. as much as you're betting, like they're betting you, you're betting them. Yeah. Like it really is a two way street. Cause yeah. especially as a contractor, like there's a lot of money going into this project and they could hold your deficiency fee of 20,000, 30,000, $50,000 over you know paint efficiencies and you're just like well this doesn't make sense so we have to so now we do like so you're just constantly tweaking 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 constantly constantly yeah and i think too on like a smaller scale if we have a second round of revisions we'll say something like um sure we can make these revisions but it's going to take an extra four to six hours that is billable and that's yeah. it and then maybe it makes them kind of rethink something they just wanted to see you know that yeah because yeah. they'll take advantage yes 100 percent yeah, yeah. For me, I've stopped calling them revisions. I call them refinements because they sound, it sounds less overhauly. Like it's just, we're just tweaking. And I feel like it's just like subtly saying like, it's subtle. <laughs> um, and then I, I, at the beginning, so I don't do flat fees, but I estimate the hours for the project and I collect like 70% of that because I just don't, I want to collect it when they're excited and happy. But I, I tell them up front, you know, indecision and m numerous revisions are what accumulate hours. And you just kind of keep reminding them of that gently in a nice way. And typically, I think when you are doing billable or when they know that you're being charged, it is really helpful for them to be like, okay, I need to trust the process. And there's a lot of like reminding of, you know, the stuff on my portfolio, like this is like the result of people trusting me. Mm -hmm. and 
trusting the process and knowing that when it all comes together, like, you're gonna love it kind of thing. So a little bit of that. Um, sh she was saying like, you were saying you broke up with them. Was the breaking up with them the basically just the comment of like, I don't think we're a good fit if you have this many changes and that's yeah. pretty much like, is that a call or an that email? That was a call. Yeah. I find the best way to address most angry emails is with a follow-up call. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just like pent up resentment for something that you don't even know about or they're just frustrated. Email does a terrible job at you know, getting that idea across and, and being empathetic to their needs. Having a call over ten minute span will is time consuming, but they're able is able to like soften the client. They have that personal touch. They feel like your voice. They feel much more calm. Like I feel like they're just. They're not going to be you. as mean to. They're not. It's scary making behind that a, call. Like, yeah, on yeah. the phone versus behind a computer. Yeah. But I find them like I mean I'm gonna like I'm a millennial. Um, <laughs> but like our staff also are millennials, and like they're much more interested in just sending an email and getting it off their plate than actually, okay, they're not happy, how do I address it? How do I touch on what they're looking for rather than what I want to address? Like what is easier for me? So it's just, you have to get the phone, you have yeah. to get the phone, you have yeah. to pick up the phone because yeah. that, that, that will make so and break a project. And yeah. it takes less you time. Care. Yeah, it's there's less back and forth. Think about all the emails you spend back and forth, back and forth. Pick up yeah. the freaking phone. Talk to them. It's five scary. Minutes it's like, yeah. yeah. It's high anxiety yeah. for like a second of yeah. like yeah. doing so it perfect. versus like yeah. hours of anxiety. Yeah. This is what I have to tell yeah. myself. And interrupting the email and be like, sit to your stomach yeah. because I think they don't <laughs> like me anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I had a conversation recently with a client. We were doing a project. We're working them for a year. We're actually just handing it off like this week to like this week and the next two weeks. And a few weeks ago, the client took the millwork sample and like poured water on it, scratched it, even though it's supposed to be on a vertical surface, and like <laughs> called me like, you know, I, I don't know what you're putting in this house now. Like I have to really question everything. And oh my God. Like it's over an email and you're just like, okay. So I call her, I'm like, listen, I feel like there's a little resentment here. Let's talk through. And she was like, you know, like I think I was just overwhelmed that day. Like I was having a bad day. Um, I'm just really nervous, there's a lot going on, but like, it's okay, like I just needed like a, like a self-assurement. Yeah. And that was it, and it squashed yeah. it. Yeah. That is so very true. Sometimes you just gotta reassure, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, okay, Jody, I feel like you had a question. Yeah. For furnishing for me, yeah. Right. So when you, Rebecca, you were saying your um, initial design piece or based on square footage, is that just a presentation and then you move on to something different? Yes. Because I find that clients kind of want to know, like, what am I getting into with design piece for the whole shebang versus how do you have that conversation that, no, no, that's just a presentation where I get your check mark and then you move on and then there's more things. I find that conversation about. Thank you. Okay, so the question was for for those for Rebecca who quotes a fee to, to a presentation, how do you kind of quantify what an entire project might be for service design for design fees um, upfront or do you? Like how do you manage that so, for a client? 
So it's a great question because I do find that I need to explain it to clients because they think, oh, that's the fee. And like, no, 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 that's the fee till presentation. So we charge a dollar per square foot. It used to be, I'll tell you what I charge. It used to be 16 to $20 a square foot. I've just upped it because I've learned that I'm actually still needing to make money and I'm not, I'm putting in a lot of time, right? <laughs> So we used to be, so now I think it's like 18 to $25 a square foot. And that the reason there's a, a range is because it depends on the scope of work. So if I go to your house mm -hmm. and it's really just decorating, well, it's gonna be a lower dollar per square foot. And I make that judgment call. If it's full gut reno and decorating, for sure, we're at $25 a square foot, like all day, like that's a big job. Or maybe it's like, we're not even touching the kitchen. So maybe we're doing full gut, well, we wouldn't do full gut, but you know what I mean. Maybe there's, there's somewhere, so it gives me a bit of a leeway. So I say that it's 18 to $25 a square foot for design. That gets us to the presentation, that gives you your full design package uh, to take it to tender, to, take to, to get rolling. You could do it on your own at that point if you wanted to, but I do oh, caution okay. them that if they do want to do that, I need to know in advance because I select mostly custom furnishings or from trade-only vendors, so I wouldn't do it in that case. Yeah. I've not had anyone do that, but I like to put it out there. And then the final phase is the implementation, and it's a percentage of budget. So it's scalable. So if your budget is $100,000 or less, it's 20%. If your budget's like, I don't remember what it is, like 100 to 300,000, then it's 18%. So they do the mental math. So they say, oh, okay, so my budget's like $200,000. So that means to implement, implementation's going to be, I don't know, someone do the math. But it's What's like- the, What was no. the square footage of the house? A so thousand square so feet. So you do, so if it's a thousand square so feet. $2,500 so, for the first initial. Yeah, so the, whatever it is. So you do the math, but basically it's, you know, the flat fee for the design, and then there's gonna be a further flat fee, but it's based on a percentage. But I can't tell them exactly what that's going to be until we get to step five, which is our presentation, because it might be more or less, it's never less, but it might be more than we think. So it might be like $285,000. And in that case, it's gonna be more. Um, but they know that it's scalable. So I have to have that conversation. I like to have that in the discovery call because they have my PDF for reference so that they know. Because a lot of the times you're right, the client will say, oh, okay, so it's like $10,000. I'm like, yes, to the presentation. And then after that, it's a separate fee. But that- Purchasing is sort of- No, no. That's absolutely everything. That's the hardest part of our job, I'm sure you'll agree, yeah. but that is like purchasing everything, managing all of the deliveries. We're on site every week, a minimum once a week, depending on what's happening. If there's nothing happening, we're not there, but we are like full service project management. We're on top of it. We do not hire the contractor, but we are there managing his trades and making sure that they lay the tile. Like, I guess some might say that micromanaging, <laughs> no. but we wanna make sure that the design gets implemented. So we're really, Part of what's different about our firm, I think, is that we're very heavy into that project management implementation phase. We're very involved and we stay with it right till the end. So we're doing the deficiencies after it's done, like we're there. So they're getting value, like big value for what they pay. And so it sounds like too, they could, even if they didn't know what that second phase might cost, they probably have a ballpark if it's 150 to 200 probably, yeah. like they can do a little bit of math on their own there in order to do that um to kind of get an idea i i just now like 
I just find that for me, I've tried to collect as much money up front when they have the warm fuzzies as opposed to when they get the angry stage. I don't want to ask for money then. So my new philosophy is like, I'm going to estimate for the whole project and because I do furnishing only, like I have a pretty good idea and I'm getting pretty good at it. And I, I basically say 70% is due up front. That gets you the presentation. I'm going to estimate the hours and tell you what's left to pay. Again, still an estimate. I'm still covering myself, but it's just like an easier band-aid to rip off because I ask for money when the warm fuzzies are happening as opposed to like, well, everything just went wrong this week, but I still need to collect the money. I just don't want to do that. You don't want to be the last person getting paid. Right. No, you want to make and sure I don't want to have like mental contract. issues with like having to send that invoice because they're angry at me right now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Also, it's a balance of like collecting the money appropriate with the. I don't want to collect all the money up front and not have my cash flow working for me like while I'm doing the work. It's a balance of that too. Yeah. Um, any other questions? How are we doing for time? Stop. We should. Uh, okay. We'll do two more questions. I have a question that recently came up when we were talking about the whole rabbit hole thing. So typically, if we're really lucky. We've got great clients. But one particular client for the last year, we had an entire presentation put out. It was, here you go, the biggest check in the world. Take it. 75% up front, do the whole place. Fabulous. And then as the time went on, approval, approvals, oh, I found this carpet. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I'm going to go get it. Okay, great. Well, okay, well, I'm not sure about this anymore. And it was like she was, even though she gave full approvals, she was second guessing mm. just everything because yeah, she was. was like, and all the money. The money was there. And it was just But had like, you purchased everything already? Like you have to say sorry lady. You know, like was, I bought the carpet. It was like in within that period of like the one to two weeks where you're like uh, purchasing everything. It's like, ooh, okay, stop, but hold on that. And oh yeah. So have you guys ever dealt with that where a client has just become part of the process and it, it's it's just like they scratch that surface and all of a sudden it's yeah. like they've been Okay, I'm just going to repeat the question real quick. Um, she basically asked how the person who said, like, have at her, love it all, go for it, and then all of a sudden has a whole lot of opinions after the check's been handed over, and now all of a sudden I found this and I found this. How do we, has it happened? I don't know. The clients that we have are like that. It's, it is a bit of a crapshoot. Like, every client is different. We find, I say, like, why don't we have a call? Is there a problem? Like, are you not happy with the selections we've made? Do you feel that we're not, like, we have not been able to provide you with the service that you're paying for? But those are hard, because, like, you can't say no to the client because you don't want to limit them and all of a sudden, like, feel like you're pulling the wool over their eyes. And they, you also want to be transparent because you're like, well, obviously this is your home, so, like, you have final say. I think, like, having a conversation, like, are you not happy with the selections that we provided? Like, every, like, I know there's some designers that, their design is that that's finite, and like they let you know when they when you hire them, like this is it. And if there's there's no revisions, yeah. 
Like there are designers yeah. who yeah. you know are higher up. We were talking about this the other day, where there's there's no revisions. Like this is it. You're paying for me, not for the product. And like if yeah. there's not a conversation. If there is, then I'm sorry, but like we're no longer gonna work together. I think you just you have to <laughs> in this situation. I'm better at. I don't always practice what I preach, but you do need to put your foot down. And you need to show them who's boss because they've come to you because you guys are extremely talented at what you do and they value that. And now it sounds like she's not trusting herself. So yeah. she's not trusting you. So she doesn't trust herself that enough to know that she can trust you. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? Yeah, it's like, I need to, if I try on a new pair of jeans, I think they look good, but let me ask Michelle Bennett and see what she yeah, says. And she says they're good, but then I go to another event and I'm like, doll, I don't know, do you like these jeans? Because I don't trust my own first instinct. Yeah. So I don't know that you can change that, but you could probably, you need to get ahead of it. Like if it's happening right now, you need to get ahead of it and you need it's to. It's too late and she's um, already, you know, she's trusted us, and us enough to give us two other really amazing clients. So then, oh, well, then it's worth, like yeah. <laughs> then it might be worthwhile. Like if you're getting referrals from this client yeah. that are amazing and they're not doing that to you, yeah. then yeah. you might just have to ride this one out yeah. until the yeah. end. And, and just, well, like, can you say you already bought it? Yeah. She has a great. Love it, we love it, we love it. Three weeks later, I don't love the back cushions of the sofa. Our sofa's too cute. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, it's sweet. Yeah. This is like Wednesday. I, I have had it. Yeah. She's an unhappy person in yes. life. Yeah. Yes. She's not your ideal client. Okay, guys, I'm so sorry. I don't. I don't want to cut anybody off. I feel like we should uh, mosey on to the drink station we take this off. if we have questions. But first. Tell everybody where people can follow you, obviously, and anything new and exciting that's happening, which we've talked a little bit about, but talk a little bit more, and then, yeah, well, yeah, go. Uh, okay, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. I live on Instagram, I love it. Rebecca Hay Designs. Um, I also have a personal, sort of personal account that I started, it's called Ms. Rebecca Hay, M-S-R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H-A-Y. Uh, that's where I talk a little bit more about my entrepreneurial journey, and on my Rebecca Hay Designs account, there is a link that I'm gonna tell you guys to go check out. What I'm trying to do is in Toronto, especially if you live in the GTA, I would like to start getting designers and businesswomen together in an informal environment on a regular basis just to talk about design and business. Because I don't know about you, but business is still a huge learning curve for me. I love the community. I've learned so much from these women in this room. And I would love the opportunity to just meet at a bar or a restaurant. So if you guys go to my Instagram profile, there's a link tree there, which is just basically a fancy word for multiple links. And you can click on designer meetups, uh, sign in with your email, and then I will get everybody's addresses. And once we sort of have something formulated, I'll email everyone and let you know when it's happening. And I'm open to suggestions of locations because I love this community. It's because of these podcasts and this beautiful community of designers sharing their secrets that I've been able to grow my business. So I want okay. to help other designers do the same. We can do yeah. 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 Wait, what's that now? Where? What's the collective, Carly? So, okay, so I've been running Carriage Lane for about eight years and 
you can find us at Carriage Lane Design Build on our uh, Instagram. But what we're doing right now is my partner and I are opening up a co-working space specifically for designers, architects, decorators, stagers. Actually, it's literally across the street, um, right here. And we're opening up, we're October 30th is our launch party. So if you guys wanna come, just send us a message. Um, but we are offering designers and architects a place to actually have a residence. So we have private offices, we have like private desk areas, we have just open club membership. So you can just use that space as your place to sit down, grab a coffee, meet with clients. Um, we have a materials library, so we actually have featured vendors um, so that we have you know, fusion flooring, we have sea tile, we have um, tiles inspired, we have Sescalite, and we have, so BH Robinson, we, and so many other vendors. So we also have storage, so it's another component. So we're offering you, we have a storage door, so you can actually receive product um, stored on site. And we have boardrooms, so you can actually book boardrooms. Um, so you can meet clients there. We have concierge, we have mail service, so that you can actually use it as your go-to satellite office or your like permanent office. And then we have a mindful space. So our mindful space, we're offering people to speak and give classes and speaker sessions and panels. We're also having lunch and learns and product information seminars. We have a curriculum and we have also, we're gonna be offering yoga, meditation, Reiki classes. So it's just to our, our tribe, it's just to our industry. Um, so yeah, so, and we also and, have a podcast booth. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so where do they follow you oh. to learn more about that? Also so, like, yeah, so come we, talk to her after too. Yeah, so you, you can talk, we have Lisa, who's our materials librarian. Just stand up, Lisa. <laughs> Doesn't want to. Lisa is now standing. She's like a real librarian. She, and then we have Gabby, who's our community and digital manager. So they are actually helping me run the space. Um, Gabby, if you're looking at residency, you'd speak to her. If, I mean, vendors are dealing with Lisa. Um, and we have like a 13,000 square foot building. So Amazing. yeah. So we're excited. We're, we're building our residency. We're building out our programs right now. We're doing our launch and we're opening in November. So yeah, so if any of you guys want to even check it out, go for a tour. They're the people to speak to. Well, can you Amazing. remind everyone what it's called specifically? Oh, right. Sorry. So they it's know called the Collective for? Workspace. And you can find us at the Collective Workspace on Instagram and the Collective TO in online. Love it. So, yeah. yeah. Exciting. Yes. I'm very excited. And where can people find Two Birds? Uh, at uh, Two Birds Design on Instagram. And uh, we'll be taking a tour of yes. the Collective Workspace. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, going to be a tour guys, next yeah. week, I think. Yeah, uh, so that's exciting. And we're also, we're hiring. So if anyone's... Uh, yes, we're also hiring. <laughs> yes, we're also hiring. <laughs> Please apply. Designers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. inquire yeah. within. Designers. Yeah. And project coordinators. Um, okay, hopefully you guys are following my Instagram podcast, realtalk.design. No, that's why. Realtalkpodcast.design, michellebennett.design. Please listen, tell a friend that might be interested in the podcast. I wanna say, first of all, thank you for everybody for coming. There are people who are here that came from Guelph and like places that are not yes. close and they're very pregnant. And I'm just very humbled. And thank you so much again to PI Creative. I'm sorry this is yes. running a little late. Hopefully people 
great value. If anybody has questions about like touring quickly or anything, obviously talk to Nora or was it Elise? I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Yes, or any other right, amazing right. people, whoever. Um, thank you so very much. You guys rock my world. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you.